Hello everyone, and welcome back to Around Serie in 20 Days. I am always Michael Nimmo, the author, narrator, and general good time guy of the podcast and book. If you would like some more information, you can always go to my website, which is Michael Nimmo. Nimmo spelled N for November, I for India. You can actually, well, why am I telling? You can see from the podcast description. But anyway, michaelnimmo.com is the website. So go there, buy the book, read the blog. I don't know. Marvel at my beautiful photograph. Um, Yeah, I hope you enjoy today. It's quite a short episode, so I'll be putting another one up tomorrow. Both of these episodes are not actually for football matches. They're more kind of um, background information, like the one of the first chapters, and the fan was born. The ones today and tomorrow are more about uh, problems with the police. So today's episode is called ACAB, All Cops Are Bastards. Nice, light-hearted fun for a Monday. Enjoy. Ciao, ciao. ACAB, the deterioration of fan-police relations. We heard earlier in And the Fan Was Born about the genesis and evolution of those who frequented Stadia the disillusionment they felt stemming from social inequalities, and the false dawn offered by the post-war economic boom. As the first groups started to establish themselves in the Corve, there was an increase in violence. Whereas beforehand it had been difficult, expensive or too time-consuming for people to travel in large numbers to watch their team, the expansion of the Italian rail and road systems, an increase in private car ownership, jumping from 342,000 in 1950 to 10,000,000 in 1970, and more free time made these trips much more possible. This brought the possibility that substantial numbers of people from different parts of the country would come into contact with each other. If we consider that this witch's brew brought together campanilismo, groups overwhelmingly made up of young men, competition and a pervading sense of injustice or frustration, then it's little wonder that violence would ensue. However, it's equally important to remember that the world was a dangerous and violent place before, and in other countries too. The Bible has numerous mentions of murder and violence. The Middle Ages were stained with blood. Life from the Renaissance up to the 19th century, and then both pre- and post-World War I, was often gory and perilously short. Violence was therefore not unusual and in the 60s and 70s, supporters simply carried on with humanity's habit of battering itself. It was in these years, and in 1963 in particular, that Italian football reached a tragic milestone, the first recorded football-related death. The victim was Giuseppe Plaitano, a 48-year-old Salernitana fan who was accidentally shot and killed by a policeman during scuffles between Salernitana and Potenza supporters. At that time, the majority of violence related to football was internalised within the football family, and it can be assumed that FIFA doesn't claim ownership of this particular aspect of football culture. Confrontations and fights took place between rival sets of supporters, most typically ultras, but weren't restricted to Stadia. As Alessandro del Lago says in Descrizione di una battaglia i rituali del calcio, In a stadium, depending on which sector or group you find yourself in, Conduct which in normal life would be hidden or kept away from the eyes of the police becomes acceptable. Therefore, in the Corva, you can smoke marijuana with relative impunity, throw things on the pitch, get in fights, 
and take part in various other forms of transgressive behaviour. It's the same for when the Korva goes on tour, i.e. supporters at away matches. This disobedience doesn't only apply in the stadium, but also in the physical spaces that the supporters find themselves in on these trips, for example on trains or motorways, etc. etc. This continued until the turn of the millennium, when, after years of increasing casualties, the figures started to stabilise, as the instances of fan-on-fan aggression decreased, but fan-on-police confrontations grew enormously. For example, during the 2002-2003 season, there were 850 casualties reported, of which 612 were police. That year showed a particular spike in fan-on-police violence, but even still, in 2001-2002, there were 345 recorded injuries to police officers. It needs to be stressed here that this analysis was based on reported injuries, i.e. injuries that required immediate hospital treatment or were recorded by the police. I have it on good authority that many who are injured in fighting around Stadia don't go to the nearest hospital for fear of being arrested on their way out. The police keep tabs on walk-in casualties on the days of matches, and if the injury is consistent with fighting, then that person can expect a visit and a DASPO in the days after. Therefore, the true number of injured ultras is difficult to state with any certainty. But why the big change? It may have partly been a changing of the guard and the police force. The old heads who had previously held some kind of respect with the ultras were leaving the ranks. These more experienced officers were older than the people they were dealing with, and as such were seen as being akin to paternal figures of authority. The new guard of police were younger, more or less of equal age with their civilian counterparts, less experienced, and, as Ferreri suggests, readier for ad hoc confrontations in the form of stadium violence or political demonstrations. No longer was the model of spontaneous conflict between generations valid, conflicts that would emancipate society, consigning the elders to the past and giving the present and future to the newer generations. This was a conflict between equals of the same generation who had fermented reciprocal hatred for each other. This ill feeling wasn't helped by perceived cover-ups and injustices, more of which later, when we'll look more closely at one of the most well-known, the Casuracciti. In 1993, at the end of an Atalanta-Roma match, a 42-year-old, Celestino Colombi, died from a heart attack after being caught up in a police charge. Afterwards, the police described him as being a drug addict, a line that was picked up by the media, which infuriated supporters all across the country, and resulted in banners appearing in various Corve the following weekend declaring, the 10th of January 93, death is equal for everyone. The years leading up to the high water mark of 2002-2003 were littered with fights, police officers being injured, and ultras getting sent to prison. There are simply too many further examples to list here, and if I go on, my mum will make me promise to never go anywhere near a stadium ever again. Banners, graffiti and chants that used to laud the team or attack their rivals began to be substituted with those that criticised the forces of order. There were still plenty of the first category, but it became less unusual to see ACAB, ACAB, all cops or bastards, spray-painted around town, or hearing the likes of
Being a cop is the most villainous profession there is. When he wears the uniform, he's a lion. But you know that as a man, he's a shit. Not very catchy in English, admittedly. It wasn't always like this, however. Up until the mid-70s, the police, in relation to ultras, falls in an approach that was adequate for an adversary without an objective or code, that was lawless and elusive, driven by an appetite for violence and irrational to the point that the only strategy left was one of coercion.